so in the beginning I would like to talk about ownership of mm-hmm. Mintos and uh, all the companies that are related to it. But maybe give a short background, like who came up with the idea about Mintos and how was it financed in the beginning? Yeah, so the Mintos was, uh, we launched in 2015, January, but uh, obviously we already worked on the idea before. So actually the idea of Mintos came, uh, I was uh, studying at INSEAD for MBA, I did the MBA at INSEAD, so they have campuses in Singapore and Paris. My initial idea was to stay abroad, but I knew deep down that I'm going to do entrepreneurship. Then after INSEAD, I came back, I realized, okay, I'd much rather actually can start uh, straight after INSEAD, and then diligently was uh, going through the ideas what I could do. Initial idea, actually, what I wanted to do is to build venture capital fund in the Baltics, and that's, I guess, when I met you for, for the first time, when you were still with uh, uh, mm-hmm. your, your company. And then uh, uh, after the research, we realized, okay, there's not that many companies in which to invest in. And this exposure to startups led to realization that, yes, startups is hard, but it's not something which is like not doable. So you can certainly do it and uh, actually uh, you just have to start working on that. And then uh, I was, again, going through the ideas. I had my whatever, list of ideas which I had uh, uh, gathered throughout the year at INSEAD and before. And at that time, which is 2014, uh, peer-to-peer lending was uh, still a really new concept, mm-hmm. very new concept. Well, today it's still a very new concept. Yeah. In 2014, it was even more so. So you had the guys like Funding Circle, Lending Club, Zop, uh, like Prosper in the US and other players uh, out there. And then uh, I remember very well how, how the trigger uh, happened. I was reading one of the articles on TechCrunch and I read an article about uh, actually platform called uh, Landbay in the UK. And that's where our first uh, idea actually came that, hey, this angle of uh, loans uh, uh, backed by real estate is something which makes more sense and this is something which we could uh, create here in the Europe and start from the Baltics where uh, I'm originally come from. So our first idea was a typical P2P platform. We originated loans ourselves, so mm-hmm. we issued loans to the borrowers, then placed on platform and uh, offered for investors to invest in. We launched 2015 January, then very soon after realized, okay, uh, this is good business, like it's a good business model, but there's much better uh, model and much more need, to be honest, for creating a marketplace which any lending company can use. Because if you look um, from the market perspective, it doesn't make sense on both sides. On one side, all the lending companies, they are seeking for the funding sources, so they need funding. Mm. Uh, but for all of them to create their own platforms, kind of doesn't make sense. And then what happens, even if they create their own platform, investors are the same investor base. So they compete for the same investors. And then basically uh, the same problem is on the investor side. If I go to uh, all of those platforms, I have to register with each of those. Mm. I have to go through whatever. AML checks, I have to transfer money, manage them, it's a lot of work. So what we thought that actually makes a lot of sense just to create a marketplace where there's tons of investors who can actually then choose from tons of different loan supply. And that's how Mintos uh, became what it is today. So we 
basically launched in 2015 January, but then we rewrote most of the code mm -hmm. and uh, relaunched as me to stand today, I would say something like mid-2015. Uh, September was something when we definitely already had a clear focus on what we do now. On the marketplace. I on the marketplace, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, how was it financed? So the funding is, uh, I was in a very privileged situation that I could actually get the funding before we started. So uh, uh, after uh, this tech crunch kind of trigger came, so uh, first thing what I thought, okay, well, it's a good idea, but obviously straight out of, out of the MBA and I had mm. a lot of student debt, uh, like a lot, mm. uh, obviously I'm not going to be able to fund it. And if you build a financial product, it's not your app, which is fairly uh, uh, kind of doesn't require that much capital to build because your first MVP can be fairly like basic if you deal with uh, finance and when it comes to investment so it cannot be basic so you really have to invest yeah. in, in building the platform so I was a very privileged situation that I actually could get the commitment from uh, which became our equity investors before we started so uh, I knew the guys from my undergrad uh, the guys which uh, had sold the previous company, so they were uh, part of the four finance, so they had sold the four finance, and I knew that they are investing in different companies, so I mm -hmm. just reached out to them and said, hey, we have, I have this idea, what do you think? And they, obviously, they knew the space, well, at that time, much better than me, with mm -hmm. the alternative lending companies and so forth. They said, oh, I see, great idea. And they in, uh, committed already, before we started, they committed that they will be ready to fund up to you in like a million euros. And then afterwards, when we started, they topped it up to say uh, to two million euros, what they were ready to commit to invest in. Uh, in, mm, uh, in the, uh, the most funding. recent financing, it's all it's also done by came, the same guys. It also came from the same guys. So we were thinking, yeah, well, we could go out and raise from venture capital mm. like funds, but then again, so uh, the uh, kind of the expertise, what comes from the equity investors which you have, is you cannot get the same from venture capital. So they don't know the space that well. So we, obviously, like in early days, having these guys with experience. Uh, uh, in building the lending companies, it was tremendously helpful. So these days, well, they are like barely involved in the business. But in early days, obviously, I got a lot of advice and the other Martin. So we got a lot of advice from them. So the first round, which we uh, closed, was like two million seed round, which was from these guys. It's four guys for what you could call angel investors, yeah. or whatever you call them. And then the second, uh, what we call Series A, was five million round, which we also raised from the same guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, can you mention them by name? Yeah, it's basically four guys. It's uh, uh, we updated also uh, our about us page. It actually should be. Uh, ah, it's now on the page. Yeah, as well. it's basically four guys. It's Iger Kessenfels, Maris Cash, Albert Spool, and Chris Abschuss. Also, mm -hmm. it's, it's it's never been that we are kind of hiding exactly who are who they are. But well, of course they well, have. They, they have for the, some, it might. might they have their so, pri private uh, private life as well, and that they are right. angel investors. But well, there's no, nothing holds us from uh, being transparent about okay. that. And this is now on about us page as well. Okay, that's good. Uh, another question: uh, Can you comment on the structure of Mintos legal entities? So I've seen it's Mintos Marketplace, Mintos Holdings, Mintos, Mintos Finance, Finance yeah. So as with any uh, service, so uh, there's a bunch of things which we offer and then to provide the service or the product as it is, there are several legal entities involved and mm. then we have, uh, well, the main entity is Mintos Holdings, so that's our main entity, Mintos yeah. entity, and then there are daughter companies there, so we have companies which are holding all the 
technical IP, then we have local uh, legal entities to uh, employ local people in Germany. So we have a German entity, we have a Polish entity, we have entity in uh, Mexico, we have the financing entities, and there's a bunch of legal entities. So that, uh, uh, basically just for the sake of uh, managing the risks and also uh, and all of them goes, go under Mintos Holdings? Yeah, Mintos Holdings is... Uh, and and uh, what about Mintos Marketplace? Uh, it's one of the daughter companies, so it's Mintos Holdings is on top and then Mintos ah, Marketplace it's also is... Under Mintos, Holdings. Mintos Marketplace is 100% owned by Mintos Holdings. Ah, okay, yeah. okay, got it. Uh, then... Uh, I had the question about who owns Mintos mm -hmm. and how has it changed over the years, but you kind of answered already, right? It's yeah, for it's investors? It's, you can look at us like in a very typical startup with a caveat, of course, that we could raise money before we started. So our equity investors took a decent chunk uh, uh, when when we raised money from them, right? But uh, it's been that the guys who invested, angel investors, then it's me and the other Martin co-founder who have a, a decent chunk of, of Mintos. And then we also give stock options to all the employees. So all the mm -hmm. 200 people which we employ and we still continue to give also to the newcomers. Uh, today and will continue to give a stock option so they also have a good uh, mm -hmm. portion of course each by themselves maybe less so but uh, as a total they have a, a good portion of uh, from interest as well through stock options and uh, do you plan to somehow inform like what's the shares uh, between the, the owners no. of Mintos or no not, I mean, we are a private company, right? Mm. So would, also whenever we issue a new stock option, so our uh, kind of uh, cap table changes, and basically we believe that uh, uh, we, there's not going to be much value of like putting exactly a percentage. So we, well, this is one of the things which is also a misconception. Is the same. Uh, I guess question falls like people say, yeah, well, he owns like whatever, like 100% like absolutely not true. Yeah, he's one of the ultimate beneficial owners. Which if we look at the, uh, which we have to report mm. to the. Uh, state revenue service or to the company register to be more precise. That means that he has more than 25%, mm -hmm. but nobody uh, asks no that he actually... Else, and no one else has, Exactly, right? nobody else has and nobody yeah. actually asks that actually he owns much less than 50% of the Mintos. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it's yes, he's like uh, one of the equity investors and uh, uh, has put decent kind of money into this, but uh, obviously there's many other, including me and the other Martin. But so uh, it's then between 25 and 50? 50, yeah. So he couldn't allow uh, alone like make uh, decisions that would influence everything mm -hmm. so well would... it's the same as i mean look if you raise the money from venture capital you're mm -hmm. gonna have a board so mm -hmm. we also do have a board so uh, obviously they can well what they can influence is obviously uh, who runs a company for instance so if and that's also me, part of the show. Yeah, yeah, shareholder. of course, of course. And uh, if there is somebody who could do the job better than me as a CEO, I'm happy to hand over. Yeah. If you ask me, like today, I, I think actually that there's like uh, most likely I can do it it's the best. But how we have structured, so I'm the CEO of the company, so I have the most information. Mm -hmm. I I have access to all of the, what we do, right? Mm -hmm. And then I do the final decisions. Obviously, whenever there's like more strategic decision, I'm going to consult with our board, like equity investors, yeah, yeah. obviously. But uh, this is uh, like on very, very... Uh, 
Well, well uh, I guess from outside it kind case. of looked like that uh, Igar Sudan, like like you said, like I don't know, ninety percent or whatever, like that he has full control of the company yeah. and because it's, it's not like shared anywhere. Like, yeah, and it, um, I will. We understand. What, we understand it like might look like that, and that's also one reason why we're happy mm -hmm. to talk about that. That well, it is not the case, and yeah, that uh, okay. uh, there's like a good corporate governance and this notion of somebody owning the company and then controlling it 100%. I think it's very kind of provincial thinking that uh, yeah, well, somebody owns it. Then I mean, if you look at any of the startups, you also also gonna find venture capital funds who owns more than 25% of the company even in in later yeah, stage yeah, or sure. in, in, in earlier stage you're going to have you're going to give up even like 30% of the company easily right mm. uh, but that doesn't mean that they control the business so uh, to 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 actually manage the business day in day out so that's where i come into play as the mm -hmm. ceo and one of the co-founders and the other Martin show. That's uh, also how we have set it up here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can you comment about Hippo Credit? So I saw that you and Martin Schulters are listed there as mm -hmm. members of the council, and mm -hmm. that it previously was named Mintas. So yeah. So this is. So uh, this is uh, uh, the company which. Uh, Basically, this goes back to the story that uh, when we launched, we were a typical P2P lender mm. and the originator uh, or basically the company was Hippocredit, uh, which was uh, then issuing the loans and then placing them on the marketplace. And they uh, also had the uh, uh, marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, when we uh, pivoted, so we changed yeah. our business model. So we separated the two companies. We said, okay, Hippocredit is gonna be just a regular uh, loan originator, yeah, yeah. and then we're gonna focus on Mintus. And then uh, our uh, together with our ex investors, we decided, okay, because we don't really focus on loan origination, this is not our business. So Mintus mm -hmm. business is really technology infrastructure to build the marketplace. Then uh, we also sold the Hippocredit to uh, another uh, equity investor, and then we remained with a small uh, stake in the Hippocredit, like mm -hmm. very small actually, and uh, we remained as a kind of uh, so supervisory like board member, share shareholder. passive shareholder, and then obviously, well, because I was from day one mm -hmm. involved with this origination, and the other Martins as well, so we set the same yeah. credit scoring model, we set the operations here in Latvia, so we can help with our advice as a supervisory board member, but our mm -hmm. involvement is basically, I don't know, once a half a year maybe, yeah. so it's, it's very low. You know, believe me, there's so much to do with Mintos, so Hippocredit yeah, is not sure. something uh, I spend too much uh, time on. Are there any other loan originators on Mintos or wherever, where you and Martin Schwalters are kind no, of involved or not? No, that's the only one. Those are the, this is all, the only one and uh, then the rest is basically through our equity investors, mm -hmm. our uh, angel investors, they obviously they uh, have invested also in other companies yeah. and those are what we uh, would then say in the on the website there's where the uh, ownership equity ownership overlaps there's some overlap but there again i think what is kind of misconception that uh, the same whatever i guess holds 100 percent of all of them which is also again not true of course i cannot speak exactly about like the percentage there but what the investors have to realize he's just one of the equity investors there's more uh, many other and not only those who invested in Mintos, but also many others who are not part of Mintos, so the structures are very different. So mm. this 
Uh, overlap of equity obviously is there, so we are very open about that and never uh, try to hide about that and be shy. Uh, but that definitely doesn't affect how we deal on a day-to-day basis because it's still all it's on the market terms and all of those companies, they have their own business, so they have their own agenda, so it doesn't mean that they're going to 100% use Mintos because, well, there's some overlap of equity. Uh, holders, not at all. So many of them are looking, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, the same mogul. So they have a very different thinking how they should build the funding uh, uh, profile and yeah. they uh, go for the same bond issues uh, and so forth. So it's a very different relationship. Well, of, well of course, they are completely different companies, different shareholders and so on. But uh, I, I'm, I think the biggest issue is that you have a very small side note somewhere listed that some shareholders overlap, but uh, there was recently an article in Estonian news and it claimed that the platform provided loans of more than 4.5 billion, but investors are unaware, are unaware that nearly half of the money that goes there to Igers Kessenfels again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's mentioned as owner of Mintos, but okay, the shareholder of Mintos. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I took a look, uh, I think I found like some 13 originators that are uh, on Mintos. Affiliated connected to him. 7 out of 65. That's where there's uh, some affiliation either. Uh, well, I can like... It depends on the group. So some of them are part of the group as well. So, uh, we, like we, Mogo, we, Hippo, Credit, Lendo, Banknote, Finko, Sun Finance, yes. Express Credit, Peachy, Tigo, Monego, Credo, Zenka. Yeah, the, the last one, they are part of the group. So uh, that's Yeah, three of them were yeah. Finitera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess the the issue maybe not that Iger owns everything and controls everything, but uh, like in this Estonian article, it was mentioned that people or investors might believe that there is super big diversification, and actually, yeah, but the thing is that, that the, the big part of companies are connected to one guy. But the thing again here is that uh, so what we believe is that even though there's some shareholder. Uh, uh, overlap. So at the end of the day, what investors are funding, they are funding the originated the loans. Mm. Sure, there are the buyback entities and so forth, but what we have to realize is that if the loans are performing 100%, then none of the buyback guarantee comes into the play, right? Mm. So at the end of the day, what we look from the diversification perspective is what is the underlying loan I buy? And there's like no uh, uh, notion of not being diversified if we speak about the same like groups which are some uh, uh, overlap of shareholders well the loan originated in Armenia of course performs so much different than the loan ori- originated in uh, whatever like Kenya or mm. somewhere else it's just like totally different loan and the correlation is not there even there even though there is uh, overlap of shareholders well the loan of which i buy is to the final borrower in kenya or the final borrower in armenia so what i'm concerned about is how they perform if they're going to perform all going to go uh, uh well uh, i'm going to get back my capital and uh, mm-hmm. interest on top of that uh, and uh, then uh we come back to one one uh, project that mm-hmm. maybe Igers was involved in or not. Uh, do you know anything about uh, OptiTrade 24? No. It was mentioned in Latin news as a uh, potentially scam project from Russia. It promised huge uh, guaranteed returns and uh, that it, and it was said that he, it's connected to Igers Kessenfelds and Armand Brocks. Uh, 
no, so you that. have no no idea no. about this project and and the 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 thing that was mentioned there was that it was yeah it ended really bad in 2016 it shut down investors lost millions mm -hmm. and now when some peer-to-peer -peer platforms in baltics are having issues and uh, they're also like kind of disappearing so i mean this kind of news is is not someone would like to read about mintos or twino shareholders so yeah, and i think uh, this is typical crash situation that you're trying to find any any whatever uh, thing which is barely related or not. But at least, well, if you ask me, I don't know mm. about this uh, okay. specific case. But do you think kind of Igers would be able to comment on it at some point? Or? Yeah, well, you, can, you, you can ask him. Well, I, ha I don't have his contacts, but uh, but you would be able to ask him that or, or share his contacts. Uh, I think uh, how, we, how we think about that is, well, we deal with our business and then mm -hmm. This I can talk a lot about Mintos and what we do. So, and yeah. but, well, we have uh, different persons and different uh, whatever entities which then uh, are equity investors, and obviously we cannot comment about what all of them are doing. So, but to my knowledge, so I don't know this case. So, mm. uh, sounds not something which uh, I would be. Uh, I would say that doesn't doesn't make sense to me. But yeah. well, I don't know actually. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, in export P2P review of Mintos, there is an interesting question. Can Finitera afford to buy back 8 million of Monego's bad loans? Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, in this case, shareholders uh, like Igers are in both sides, Mintos and uh, Monego. And uh, yeah, so there was a promise that these bad loans, these late loans would be bought back, but there are some delays and any, any insights on that? Yeah. I would again go away just like everything is, I guess, I guess. Yeah, so it's, yeah. uh, we have to look at the Finitere group, which has a different uh, shareholder structure. It's a lot of guys, it's the same like management involved and so forth. So it's mm. a whole separate company with like a few hundred people, if not more, right? So uh, Finitere is a bigger group. Monego yeah. is part of that. Uh, obviously, Moldova case was uh, unexpected. So nobody really expected, including uh, them themselves. Mm. Uh, but uh, what they, uh, for them, Moldova is, or Monego is just part of much bigger organization, right? So for them, this uh, eight million, yeah, well, in absolute terms, it's a, it's a big money. But that's like when you look at the total portfolio. I don't know by heart exactly, mm. but it's not that big part of the total portfolio. And then also on top of that, so what? Uh, uh, what we have agreed with them is that they uh, buy back or provide the buyback for those loans which uh, go into 60 days uh, past due, right? Yeah. And then uh, uh, that's also the, the cost of case. Also, when the uh, liquidator was assigned, so liquidator, they were still uh, administrator of this case, so they still actually collect money from the uh, borrowers, yeah. so all that money also then goes to Finitere finally at the end of the day. So it's more about cash flow management, like between receiving those funds through from administrator and then between actually those loans reaching mm -hmm. uh, 60 plus days past due. So uh, I think that's a, that's so a comment on this. Basically, it's only about cash flow, and you think that the promise will be kept and everything will be fine there. That's our uh, current uh, agreement and understanding from for the case. And then the same is with Utah, the same. So yeah, exactly okay. the same as Utah. So there's no no difference there. Okay, got it. Uh, what we have to realize is just local problem of much bigger uh, yeah. uh, loan originator groups, and obviously 
uh, that for them, Mintos is one of the funding sources, and well, they are also pretty smart about that, so they understand if something can happen in one country and they cannot really stand behind that, then well, the whole group is affected, and mm. obviously they, they don't want to affect the whole group and uh, make a case when uh, investors would not trust that uh, they can stand behind local problems. Okay, got it. Uh, and then the last question about Tigers. Uh, <laughs> in Latvia, he's shareholder of about 100 companies, uh, so I guess he's super busy managing all, all of his investments. But, uh, I mean, for many in Mintos investors, like, there is a big interest about him, and I mean, you probably have noticed that as well. And do you think that investors could expect that he becomes a bit more public or does some interviews or uh, appearances in, I don't know, P2P conference in Riga or some other events? Uh, I think, again, the best is to ask him personally, so mm. I kind of speak on, on behalf of somebody yeah. else, right? So. Um, I think he's, at least so far, his style has been that he's more kind of a shareholder and uh, financial investor, whatever, like an angel investor, call it whatever you want, or be involved, and at least like with Mintos, so there's clear segregation, like uh, what is Mintos, who's running the Mintos, and then who are the guys who provide the funding for mm -hmm. that, so most likely it wouldn't make much sense for him to appear in like P2P conference, because well, most of the things... Well, I guess he gets to know about, I don't know, the same as launching the mobile app, the same as all the other investors, so he's very, like, uh, well, I, that I mean, case. more in terms of, like, providing some kind of assurance to retail investors that he's real, alive and approachable <laughs> in some way, I don't know, yeah. so stuff like that. I, I see your point, but then again, I mean, look, uh, next year maybe we go out and we raise funding from the venture capital from, I don't know, one of the... Uh, top tier funds, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, let's call uh, what we could raise from, uh, uh, say, Index Ventures, which invested yeah. in Revolut, right? So, mm -hmm. well, we're not going to bring Index Ventures to the P2P conference to show that they're real. So, I mean, that's uh, venture capital. So it can change uh, all the time. And what I would uh, look at, that's basically where we get the capital. So, that's our uh, angel investors. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody can find out about it, who they are. Uh, but obviously, like in the day-to-day -day, uh, business or operations, well, they are not that much involved. So mm -hmm. no. okay. I, I guess it wouldn't make much sense if you ask me. Okay. If we would have had raised from, I don't know, Change Ventures here in Latvia, would we then ask Change Ventures to come on the P2P conference? Most likely not. So it's yeah, but I mean, these guys appear anyway in yeah. events. And no, no, I see, I see your point. Of, of course, yeah. I see your point. Yeah. Uh, then I have a couple of questions about guarantees and safety. Mm -hmm. So some loan originators have also issued bonds that in general provide more safety and higher yield. Uh, what is the value of making investments on Mintos in individual loans and not in these bonds? Mm -hmm. uh, I would, uh, first I would not necessarily say that the bonds are always uh, safer, mm -hmm. because also depending on the structure which we use, actually could be the case, and also depend on the bonds which are issued. In some cases the bonds are very unsecured bonds, so you basically don't have any uh, security. Uh, and then when you buy on Mintos, so later you're going to hold the underlying loan itself, mm -hmm. or then you have a pledge on the loan, so basically there's a security, so you always have some additional security. So I wouldn't necessarily say that bonds are uh, more safe than uh, than the investing in specific mm -hmm. loan. Uh, then what is the benefit? I think is that uh, uh, a number of benefits. The first one is that actually bonds are... Uh, 
not uh, accessible to most of investors. So to, to invest in bone, bonds, usually you need quite a bit of money. So it can be uh, 10,000 euros when you can just uh, participate in, in the bond or it can be for some bonds even 100,000 euros. Mm. For some bonds it can be also 1,000 euros, yeah. but that's more like exception. So usually it's pretty high entry point to actually get to the, those bonds. And then second is that the bonds are liquidity is very different. Uh, so if you compare to Mintos, so at Mintos when you go and buy a specific loan, uh, then uh, you can start very small and actually buy a bunch of loans. Right? So mm. that's uh, as compared to the bonds where your entry point is high. And then liquidity, if you want to get out of the bonds, so many of the bonds are thinly traded; they are not that active liquid yeah. market. Whereas for loans, actually, on Mintos secondary market is very active, mm. and we've seen cases when people actually, I think, uh, one of the investors tested with a one million euros. Yeah, and they so wanted to get up, to sell, and they actually sold it in uh, twenty four hours. Mm. So there's a lot of liquidity in in uh, Mintos secondary market. So that's also the difference, uh, in my mm. opinion. And then also just the risk profile. So when you give a bond or when you buy a bond, then you are basically giving the loan to the company, to the lending company. Sure, they can use that money to issue loans, but likewise, maybe they can use it to whatever, uh, spurge on some whatever natural business related yeah. stuff. So you're basically taking the underlying risk, what you take is of the lending company itself. So they can yeah. do with it money, whatever, and uh, maybe they don't perform that well with the lending and they are whatever, selling and buying cars and this is how they make money and that's how they can service you the uh, the bond and give back mm -hmm. your coupon, right? When you buy loans on Mintos, then what you buy, like at the first place is underlying exposure to the underlying assets. So what matters to you is if the loans are performing. If the loans are performing, that's it. So the, you can diversify and uh, and uh, build a good portfolio. So loan performing, sure. On top of that, those loans which are not performing, uh, there comes a buyback guarantee. So there, there comes this guarantee from the loan originator, and you have to pay attention to that. Uh, but this is also kind of a misconception that. And we understand why people make those mental shortcuts that, well, I am investing in a loan originator, but at the end of the day, actually, you are investing in loans, when on top of that, yes, comes exposure also to the loan originator for the part which is non-performing loans. So if mm. there's no non-performing loans, so actually you don't care about loan originator when it comes to buyback guarantee. You still care about them as a servicer because you need somebody who's going to collect the payments from yeah. the borrowers. But other than that, actually, it's a very different risk profile from bonds to the to the loans. And then, yeah, I would say it's a entry point and this uh, liquidity and then diversification. So with bonds, you cannot diversify that much uh, as compared to Mintos, where you can actually build a very diversified portfolio. Okay, uh, and uh, when we talk about these actual loan agreements between mm -hmm. the originator and ultimate borrower, mm -hmm. is there a reason why they are not provided to investors? Uh, for example, like uh, what protection investor would have if Mintos and the originator would disappear? So mm -hmm. you have no idea, like who have you lent the money to, right? Yeah. There are. There are a few agreements involved. So the one agreement is between the loan originator or the lending company and the final borrower. So mm -hmm. that's a typical uh, loan agreement between the final borrower and the uh, loan originator. Uh, we show the templates of those on the website. So uh, that's uh, what, what we do. 
So this is uh, the main agreement actually, so that uh, you know that the loan has been issued. Obviously, mm. we cannot show each and every of those, so we show the templates and so forth. Then there's a, to sell that loan to investors, there's an assignment agreement, which is an agreement between the investor and the loan originator. So mm -hmm. it's called assignment agreement, uh, where the uh, investor is basically buying the uh, accounts receivables or claim rights yeah. from the loan originator. So that's a second set of agreements so between the loan originator and mm -hmm. uh, investor. And the third set of agreement is between Mintos uh, as a service provider, as a platform, and the loan originator for using the platform. So yeah. that governs uh, our relationship, like business-to-business -business yeah. relationship with the loan originator. Uh, and that governs basically uh, the, the use of the platform, uh, uh, all the financial covenants, uh, like uh, those uh, events of defaults and so forth, and many other things, so it's whatever, like 15 page or 20 page documents. So it's mm -hmm. pretty, pretty, actually, no, actually, these days it's much more than that. So it's pretty heavy documents. So for each of those, uh, uh, agreement between Mintos and the loan originator. So we involve uh, local legal advisors. We have all our own legal team, which today is ten people strong. And there goes a lot of work actually in all those in all those legal agreements and including the corporation agreement. Well, for sure. But I mean, if there's comes the case like worst case scenario, mm -hmm. Mintos goes down and then the loan originator goes down. Like, what happens to investors? How can they? Resolve or claim anything. So they still have investors have the assignment agreement. So for each investment uh, investors make on the uh, my investments page, they have assignment agreement, which is a legal proof that they have this underlying loan uh, claim mm -hmm. uh, of the loan. So that's basically all the agreements what uh, what investors have, and with those assignment agreements in a very uh, unfortunate and most likely unlikely yeah. case that both Mintos and Loan Originator would go out of business, then with those agreements they can then they turn can to the administrator them. or to the uh, to the uh, respective uh, kind of legal bodies and to, to claim their right to receive the payment which the borrower owes Mm -hmm. legally to them because as an investor the I get the claim rights over the final borrower okay okay uh, then there was one question uh, that I was asked uh, can Mintos publish how much debt each originator has from other sources and where their Mintos sourced debt falls in the hierarchy mm, so we we are uh, publishing information which we get from the loan originators in forms of uh, presentations or annual reports mm -hmm. obviously so we would want to get more and stuff and uh, uh, we are at the in a sense at the mercy of, of loan originators because many of them again we have to realize they are private companies so that doesn't mean that they have like quarterly reports many of them are in so many different jurisdictions so that depends when they have the annual reports and the languages are different and so forth so there's a lot of limiting factors which of course today well, we have to realize we have 70 different lending companies from 32 different countries so it's a lot of different but, uh, but you as a big things. marketplace you must have some kind of power to push them to well one is actually or, if you ask me like none of the longinators are even super happy to publish uh, as a private company even to publish the annual reports so mm -hmm. you cannot find them anywhere so many of them are actually already there we exercise what you would call our kind of 
power as a bigger marketplace that we say, well, you have to publish information. Mm. So that's already a big step towards uh, more transparency there. And then in those uh, reports, yeah, that's where the investors could find other uh, debt, uh, debt holders. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, what about regulation? And so on top of that, actually, just coming back, yeah. what's also one thing is that uh, some of the laundry that are also public companies, so they have publicly listed bonds, so they have to inform, uh, they cannot just put it on Mintos and then not inform the stock exchange. So in many cases, they're actually not uh, allowed to publish any which would call, uh, which would be treated as material information. Mm-hmm. So they cannot just put on Mintos if they don't do it on the stock exchange. Okay. Uh, so Mintos is operating with billions of euro, right? Uh, but at the same time, there has been no real progress on regulation or getting any licenses. Uh, what has been the biggest challenges so far? Uh, regulation is very complex issues. You know, regulation, so we, when we look at the minters, there's like, again, many things which you have to take into account. One part is that all the regulation which uh, applies to actually originating the loans to the borrowers, so that those loans, and this is actually one of the most important parts of the regulation, that those loans are issued in accordance with regulation, with the respective legislation. So all of the loan originators, they have their own permissions and license in the respective countries to issue loans mm-hmm. to the borrowers. What those license and uh, permissions, what they regulate is, uh, and depends country by country and loan type by loan type and etc. What they regulate is uh, at what rates you can issue the loans, what you affordability checks you do, uh, even at what time you can issue and so forth. So many different things what they regulate. Then there's a regulation which comes to uh, uh, what we do uh, when we offer the investment opportunities to investors. Here, it's uh, again there's uh, like rather kind of complex issue because there's no one there's no like one license which we get and then well all of a sudden mm. in all the world we can work with investors. It doesn't work like that. So we have to look with uh, in respective countries. So and in all the countries where we do active solicitation of, within, of investors, we go in, we do the legal due diligence. We work with the uh, local legal advisors, if necessary, get uh, get also a regulator's opinion, uh, and then it's also going to differ country by country. So in con- some countries, it's super regulated, such as in the UK. There's mm-hmm. specific yeah. uh, regulation towards that. In some countries, there are bits and pieces from the current regulations, being uh, uh, either investment brokerage or uh, money institution and so forth. In some countries, there's no uh, specific regulation for the service as such, which is not something which uh, should be treated as something necessarily bad, because what we have to think and realize is that in general uh, innovation always precedes regulation. So first come innovation, well, something in, in new. This, sec- this sector for sure, yeah. And then comes regulation. But it's not only in the in financial sector, it's also the same if you look at the same Uber, like Uber in very mm. early days, like zero regulation. And then all of uh, like country by country, they uh, put some regulation to actually regulate the market. Look at the same Airbnb zero regulation from mm. day one. Now in some countries you actually have to go register that you do that, you can do it only for a certain number of days, and etc. So regulation followed. Drones, in uh, very early days I remember drones, like everybody could fly the drone whenever they wanted to, mm. and then came the regulation which said, okay, you cannot do it uh, next to the airport yeah. and, and so forth. So usually innovation comes uh, before regulation, 
And then what happens is in all, most of the countries, actually the regulators are still forming approach to how to regulate the, this, and if at all they have to regulate. Uh, so what we do, we work with accordance with all the regulation which is out there. So in some countries, uh, it the, the requires specific setup. In some countries, there's no setup. And in some countries, such as in, in the UK, if you would want to solicit investors, we would need a specific uh, permission and uh, license, which we were in the process of getting. But then because we were very early in our stage when we applied, mm-hmm. we still had some uh, drawbacks where the regulator decided, okay, please work on those and then we can grant you the license. So today we don't work, for instance, with the UK investors. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I understand the point about uh, this innovation and regulation mm-hmm. uh, later, but still, I mean, you probably could have yeah. made so some what proactive we, steps, right? What we maybe do, you are yeah. in process. That was a good question. So, uh, and uh, I was too keen on explaining this whole complex uh, issue, but uh, basically what we do to uh, to reduce any uh, regulatory kind of uncertainties, uh, so we now are in the final, final stage of getting uh, electronic money institution license, so mm-hmm. that's what we're going to get, European-wide, and then we are also uh, now applying for investment brokerage license, and that's also European-wide, which we can then passport across Europe, so those two uh, permissions and licenses is going to actually solve uh, a lot of regulatory kind of uh, questions. And when can we expect that you will get them? Uh, well, we would want to get them. We actually thought that we we're going to get them already last year, especially electronic money institution license. But obviously, so there's the third part involved, which is regulators. So mm-hmm. they have a lot of, in these days, when there's a lot of fintechs uh, out there, and they are, uh, many of them are actually applying for the same license. So they actually take their time. And unfortunately, this time is longer than we would want to see. So that really really depends on the on the their uh, kind of capacity to to go through the applications but we are ready we have all the platform actually when it comes to iban accounts and mintos cards so the moment we get the permission we are uh, more or less ready to roll out the iban accounts and, and uh, also put mintos card on top of that mm-hmm. okay uh, at the end of 2018 investors held about six million euro in cash mm-hmm. on, in mintos uh, that wasn't invested so how big is this uh, cash position right now? I guess it's bigger, uh, probably. It is bigger, so uh, now it's around uh, 30 million, 27, 30 million euros. And how is it stored? So we have a very uh, many partners, so we don't use just one bank, we use mm. several banks, we also use several electronic money institutions, so we uh, diversify, again, like in as much as we educate investors and uh, about diversification, this is also what we do in the business. So we work well, with from the Well, from Vitalis, I heard that for Euro, you have five or six bank accounts. Uh, I is don't know right? by heart, but it's it's a number of them. Yeah, yeah, it's a number of them. But, I mean, if one of them goes down, I mean, if the bank goes down, then uh, you basically lose some million of money, right? It's not necessarily that you lose because, well, if the bank goes out of business, it means that all of those who hold uh, more than 100,000 euros they lose what they yeah, had there. But, but obviously, the it, it, is in, it's under, uh, it is under risk, right? Uh, but the thing there is, so uh, we choose our partners very carefully. So we work with the same LHV in the Estonia, which is a very established bank and has been around for many, many years. Obviously, that doesn't mean that they cannot ex- uh, have the difficulties. Mm. And any bank can have difficulties the same. Like Deutsche Bank was not 
yeah. like in the best shape in the last uh, few years. Right? So it basically comes down to choosing your partner. So we worked with the transfer wise the same. So it's just uh, putting your due diligence and working with the partners which you can trust. And obviously you minimize the risk, but there's always going to be some. But uh, I would say that this is perhaps not the kind of uh, risk which we would uh, think that it is too high. So we would say it's very low, if, uh, if anything. Uh, but if you get any of these licenses, will that help to solve this issue? Or yeah, no? electronic money institution license definitely helps. So we can then use our own uh, uh, our own uh, company, which has this license. And yeah. then in some countries, you can actually uh, store this money in the central bank. Well, again, you can argue with all the Greece and so forth mm. that even central bank can go out of business. But in general, well, that's a very, uh, very good setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, some investors are very unhappy with the implementation of delayed payments, which in some cases means that investors are lending money for weeks or months without any interest. Any plans to solve it somehow? So pending payments is uh, it's a necessary tool which uh, and feature which we uh, uh, established. So that means that. Uh, when, when, because what happens is that uh, when loan registers receive the money from the borrower, they send information through API to us that the money has been uh, yeah, but they received. Paid, but, but and then what we do is the pending payments. We're gonna put it on uh, on account uh, on the investors only when we receive money from the mm-hmm. loan registered. Because there's some delay. Yeah. Obviously, they don't transact for each and every whatever fifty or hundred or even ten or yeah, whatnot yeah. euros. They don't transfer all the payments like whenever they receive them from the borrower. So there's some delay. So with spending payments, we are solving that. Obviously, it's a first iteration. There are many things, and that's a valid feedback what the investors say. We have to improve, and we are uh, working on that. So one of the things which we just now actually launched a few days ago, uh, ago was uh, which loans are first covered with the pending payments, so that the more uh, the loans which were uh, older are covered first with the pending mm-hmm. payments, and then uh, we are also working on shortening this uh, time period between uh, loan originator receiving the borrower payment and then uh, sending money to us. But there again, we have to realize that uh, uh, in some of the countries, the international payments take even up to four days. So. No, but there's going to be mean, some delay. Uh, days maybe is not an issue, but yeah. when it comes to weeks, then yeah, yeah, there is a, a problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, definitely, especially if it's very short-term loans, yeah. for sure. Uh, okay, then a couple of questions about due diligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a situation uh, where Mintos added a loan originator called Nexus and removed it only three days later. And uh, as I understood that this uh, has happened three times already with uh, two others as well. One of them was InvestScore. Uh, can you comment on these cases? Like what went wrong there? As, uh, I would say it was only Nexus, at least to my knowledge. So uh, basically what we did, we uh, connected them and then uh, after they started to post loans, we realized like additional risk factors, which we realized are not something which we are comfortable with and just remove them. But shouldn't you have somehow figured these risk factors before? Or? It was more related to the loans they issued. So uh, they just issued the uh, loans which were not something which we would be comfortable with. So too high risk in, in the loans? Too high and uh, the same like we have to do uh, anti-money laundering checks as well. So there's things which you have to check. And uh, 
then the final borrowers are also so we don't know before we connect of course we do all the due diligence and we check the loan performance the loan portfolio which mm. checks specific loans but in that specific case basically uh, they issued loan to somebody which we uh, didn't think is uh, we didn't feel comfortable with actually investors funding that uh, mm -hmm. specific loans okay uh, how often do you monitor loan originators and what signs do you look for when you decide to change the rating it's real time, so all the uh, loan originators uh, are monitored uh, real time. So what what we have is with all the loan originator with every loan originator we have API connection. So mm -hmm. whenever they receive the borrower payment, we actually get uh, the information on our website. So there's uh, our uh, risk team has a certain red flags. If the current portfolio goes about this or falls below this, and there's a red flag and we investigate. So that happens mm -hmm. all the time on real time. And then it's a uh, real time is also not real time, but on a, uh, on a weekly, if, if not uh, more, it's account managers, which are in contact with laundry. If something is out of ordinary, so if it goes smoothly, so we don't, uh, so it's all risk-based. So also based on the uh, ratings. So it's risk-based for those which are lower ratings, we spend more time for which lower, high, higher ratings, less time. And also subject mm -hmm. to the performance. And then we do have uh, regular meetings with the loan generators. We go and discuss their uh, funding needs. We discuss their business. So that happens. And then the risk team also, if necessary, they go and fly in and just uh, work with the loan generator as well. So, and that's also even for those which we have connected, for instance, our team was just in Mexico. We were uh, talking with the new loan originators, but then we meet also our current loan originators and go through as yeah. well. So it's it's a constant, a lot of work. So in total, in both uh, account managers, uh, loan originator team, legal team, AML team, and the risk team, we have about like 60, 70 people working on that. So it's, it's a lot of effort going uh, into mm -hmm. this, which is behind the scenes, which investors don't really see. Uh, and still someone might think that you are not doing a very good job about it. I mean, there's altern alternative ratings and uh, uh, some investors like to check these originators themselves, like do some due diligence. They want to check the financial reports and in some cases there is a big problem that they are not either in English or they are super old. Uh, like recently there was a case where LF Tech uh, added their report about 2018 only a couple of days ago at the same time mogo uh, has already published their 2019 numbers so like a one year difference uh, don't you think you should push these loan originators uh, a bit more regarding this, this this reporting we do our best so we do our best to uh, also persuade them that it's in their best interest to actually be more transparent but obviously there are different companies and different uh, approaches some of them i mean all of them are private companies yeah. all of them are in very competitive space so some of them the it's a very pragmatic approach they say sure well uh, if i put the something out there the first thing what's going to happen is my competitor is going to go to mintos and get uh, all the information so there's balance between being transparent for a good reason and being transparent and being foolish actually when you actually mm -hmm. put yourself at a disadvantage to your competitors so th there are many things which uh, are there which basically uh, maybe investors don't see day in day out uh, mm -hmm. and this is something what we have to take into account the other thing is that uh, what we receive there's a lot of information it's not only your 
annual report. Annual report is just catch-all, very high-level view. Yeah. For us, much more important is how the cohorts are uh, performing, uh, loan, yeah. uh, loan performance. What's the payoffs? What's the default rates? What happens with uh, with the regulation? What the market is talking like? Uh, talking with the management and so forth. So there's a lot of like myriad of information which we mm. get, and there's no uh, and we work with many different countries, different loan centers, and well, at some at some point investors just have to trust that we do our job well, right? Mm. You cannot uh, recheck, and it would be not possible to recheck each and every fact which we get on the table so it's not possible so the same just going on this on the side talking with them seeing how the team is developing uh, how uh, competent they are with their market situation how regulation a lot of factors and this is why we need 200 people team uh, mm. so all this team is uh, deciphering all this information and Maybe there are some investors which by themselves alone can replicate what we do. Mm. I doubt so. So we need a lot of people just to go through all of this. So unfortunately, there's, uh, I, I doubt there is a good way to put all the information which we receive in a good, understandable and readable format to investors. In a, and even if we would, then that will interest maybe 0.01% of investors who actually will go through and check. For it. sure. Yeah. Most won't, won't do that. Uh, one there was one question about get bucks as as one loan originator that they had some issues lately there has been some some positive news but they they still have late payments and uh, their rating hasn't changed at all so should have it been changed at some point or you don't think so uh i'm well i would have to ask the team specifically mm. for specific loan originator in specific countries and there's a lot of them what we do when it comes to ratings is uh, we do monitor them on a uh, quarterly basis yeah. uh, and then that's what all of me, we, we reach all of them and then we do actually uh, if there are substantial events which we believe would trigger the uh, change in the rating then we would actually change it out of the order right so that's our approach to the rating to specific case actually I, I'm afraid mm-hmm. I cannot really comment okay uh, when can we expect to see Mintos report for 2019? Uh, it should be the same as uh, every other year, so a bit, uh, I think it's uh, until 30th of uh, April 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until the end of the April, uh, but we also are working on consolidated reports and that's going to be later in the year. So it's basically statutory. Uh, deadlines and then whenever uh, those deadlines approach and also whenever we get the report and signed by uh, our auditor EY, yeah. Young, then we put it on the website. So the moment we get the, the, the that will be the moment we publish on the, mm-hmm. uh, on the website. Uh, okay, the last couple of questions. Uh, do you have any changes planned for the Auto Invest uh, tool? For, for Mintos, it, it seems like a good uh, tool to to get retail investors investing in loans that other investors might not be interested in, but uh, but I mean recently when when there had been some problems with some loan originators and some like investors just got stuck with bad loans, so there I guess were some some unhappy investors, right? I guess you mean invest in excess, not auto invest. Investing access, right? So when, exactly. When, when it comes access. to investing access, how we see this tool, it is really to get exposure to all of the loans which are on the marketplace. 
and then on top of that you get uh, much better liquidity or at least you get liquidity without much hassle so you don't have to go on secondary market try to sell put the mm. price and so forth so this tool is really uh, meant to be very simple uh, and uh, very easy to use tool actually a lot of investors use it so uh, of course it's not uh, uh, not all the tools should apply to all the people who want to invest. Mm. There are going to be people who want to spend much, much more time on that uh, and uh, research like every loan originated, loan performance, whatnot, and countries and ratings, so all of that. And then on top of that, yes, they might be able to get perhaps uh, a bit bigger return than just going as an index of mm. all the loans out there. But then there are people who say, I don't care if I get 12% or 10% or whatever. Now, today, I guess the investment access is 9.777%. Yeah. They say, it's fine. I don't want to spend that much time on that. So there's going to be uh, people who use certain tools uh, such as investment access. There's going to be people in the middle who use auto invest. They set up and forget or mm. just follow it uh, on a less regular basis. And then we have investors who, who do manual investing and they do it like every day and for yeah. many hours and that's fine. So what we are doing, we are building the tools for, for different, different use cases, right? Mm. And then uh, when it comes to investing, so sure, it's maybe not meant for those hardcore users who are ready to spend a lot of time. So that was not the intention of investing mm. access, but that's a good tool for somebody who comes in the marketplace. And uh, even though they get, uh, uh, because they get the index, sure, they're going to get all of the loans there. And there might be the cases where some of them are not performing. But uh, if we look at the portfolio basis, they're a tiny fraction of the portfolio. So that's because it is index. And mm. so uh, I would say different tools, different use cases. Okay, got it. Uh, and what, what can we expect in the next six months in terms of new features or updates? Uh, so today we launched the mobile app, so yeah. that's uh, something which we worked. So we are, of course, it is uh, version 1.0. There's a lot of work which we are putting uh, already now and we're going to continue updating it. And it's gonna, uh, we believe that at some moment it's going to become the primary way of interacting with Minters, at least for many investors. And already today, well, I'm, I've been I've been beta tester myself, so actually I tend to use a mobile app checking what the balance and so forth. Uh, and then the initial feedback is very good. So mobile app is for sure. And then subject to the us getting the necessary permissions the moment we get, and it should be anytime soon, we're going to roll out the bank account numbers. And then uh, the next uh, step will be Mintos card on top of it. So that's something in the, in the immediate future. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, well, thank you for taking your time and, uh, and good luck. Uh, thank you. Then launching all, all the updates. Pleasure to have you here. Thanks. Okay.